Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you guys for joining us for our online gathering. And I am actually joined by some of our team and some of public worship. Thank you guys for being here. Can we all say hello to our online audience? Oh, so we are just going to dive straight into the talk today as we continue our series. And then just so you know where we're going, after that, we're going to sing a couple songs. And at the end, we'll actually talk about how all of us can be involved in what Jesus is doing through public church. So put you guys on the spot. Anybody know the title of the series? I really hope one of you does. Choosing to stay. Yes, we'll give it to you. That's right, Jade. Give it up for Jade. All right, next level now. Anybody know the subtitle? For? Whoa! Good job. <laughs> so we wanted to start out a little light because this series is obviously full of tension. And the heart of this series is just the reality that our black sisters and brothers, they cannot step out of the fight for justice because they can't change the color of their skin. They can't step out of the struggle against racism because of the color of their skin. But those of us who are white, we can step in and out. And so the series is really an act of repentance where we're changing direction by choosing to stay, that we're going to remain in the fight for justice, remain in the fight against racism. So to kind of set the tone for us today, I'm actually going to read from um, just an iconic piece of literature, Letter from a Birmingham Jail by the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And here's what he wrote. He said, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with a white moderate. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action." who paternalistically feels that he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advise the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. Now, to add to the tension, he's actually writing to white ministers. Like, these are white pastors that are opposing him and opposing the civil rights movement in Birmingham, which raises the question, what's wrong with them? And to get more personal, it raises the question, what's wrong with so many white Christians in our day today who are saying, I'm so tired of this talk of racism. I'm over this justice thing. Let's move on. Like, it's not a big deal. Why are we talking about this? And so today we want to not just wade in the tension, we want to wrestle with the tension from a theological point of view. We want to talk about who is our version of Jesus Because could it be that the problem with the white moderates and the problem that maybe even is in our hearts is that we are following the wrong version of Jesus? So here's our question that we're going to wrestle with from the beginning. What version of Jesus are we following or rejecting? And I say rejecting because some of you may not follow Jesus who are watching this. And and honestly, you may be rejecting Jesus because you've never met the version of Jesus who sat with the Samaritan woman at the well in the Samaritan village. But that's the Jesus that we're going to sit down with and spend some time with today. So we're going to be in John 4. If you want to go there in your Bible or Bible app, 
And we're going to be wrestling with this question. What version of Jesus are we following or rejecting? And to help set the tone, Whitney, if you could just pray Psalm 39, 23, and 24. That's really our prayer for the series. And even if you don't follow Jesus, it's just a prayer to open ourselves up to have a willingness to be changed. So could you pray that for us? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there are any offensive ways in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Amen. Amen. All right, so in John chapter 4, um, we've been in this passage for two weeks now, so if you want to go back and, and watch the po- or listen to the podcast or watch on YouTube or Facebook, you can. But essentially, just to catch us up, Jesus is compelled to go to this Samaritan village, and when he gets there, he sits down and he leans in by asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. And when he asks her for a drink, she responds, verse 9, we spent a lot of time on last week, but he respond, she responds by basically saying, but don't you know the tension? Like, your kind doesn't talk to my kind. There's so much racial tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. And just to quickly review to make sure that we understand a little bit of that, the racism between the Samaritans and Jews, it was deeply entrenched. This is a kind of hatred that's centuries long. Not only that, it's systematic. There's systematic injustice, Jewish, Jewish privilege is real, the deck is stacked against the Samaritans, and so there's a lot of similarities to where we're at in our current time. And so what happens is she asks for a drink, or Jesus asks for a drink, and she's like, what are you doing? And then Jesus responds, and Hannah, could you just read verses 10 through 12 for us? Sure. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get the living air, this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than your ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? That's awesome. So what we see here is Jesus just responds, says, hey, if you knew what I was asking for, then you would actually be asking me for something. And I think we miss this detail a lot. She actually responds with a microaggression, a subtle but intentional racist phrase as she says, uh, you're better than our ancestor Jacob. Well, he's actually both her ancestors. <laughs> but in this moment, she's just kind of digging, giving a little racist dig. Well, Jesus, he doesn't take the bait here. But in fact, Kristen, could you just read verses 13 and 14 of Jesus' response to her? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus responds by talking about thirst. He says, look, you may be thirsty, but I want you to know that the gospel, the good news of Jesus addresses every single thirst. Jesus says, who I am and who I'm revealing myself to be in this Samaritan village, I can quench your thirst. Now, when I think about quenching thirst, could you guys grab your Sprite? I think about Sprite, mid-90s. Some of you may be too young for this, but anybody remember the Grant Hill Sprite commercials? Anybody? You read the tagline? It starts with image is nothing. Thirst is everything come on we're going back to the 90s and then the the tagline is obey your all right let's try that together all right clearly we need to catch up on the mid 90s sprite commercials and grant hill all right so image is nothing thirst is everything 
Obey your thirst. So Austin, this is the point that you could drink it. Mm. Hopefully won't spill it. Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> Got a little spill on Cody. So everybody want to see if this Sprite quenches our thirst? Ah. So Sprite made millions, maybe billions of dollars, I don't know, on this brilliant marketing campaign that convinced the world that this lemon-lime carbonated sugar water can actually quench our thirst. I call that brilliant marketing strategy. So I think about thirst, and, and, and they, they made all this money because the reality is thirst is a big deal, and we're all thirsty on many different levels. And what Jesus is doing is he is speaking to our soul-level thirst. And there's several of those, just to name a few. We, at a soul level, we thirst for love. We thirst for significance, for purpose. We thirst for restoration, that, that we want the heroes to win. <laughs> and we want all the wrongs to be made right in the world. And, and here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, all your soul level thirst will be quenched by me. If you obey your thirst, you're going to end up at Jesus, is basically what he's saying. And so I think it's kind of ironic that, that they're talking about soul level thirst and so many Jesus followers today are so thirsty, especially in the area of justice. Because that's a soul level thirst that we didn't mention yet. But, but isn't that what we want at our soul level? We want justice. And so it raises the question, why do we want justice? Because Jesus who created us, who, the God who exudes justice, put that thirst inside of us. So, so he's face to face with this woman saying, hey, I know you're thirsty. I made you that way. And I can quench your thirst. And that's what he says to us today. And some of you don't follow Jesus because you're thirsty for justice. And you feel like Jesus is the last place you can turn to. Why is that? Perhaps we're not following the version of Jesus who stepped into the Samaritan village. So let's keep wrestling. What version of Jesus are we following or are we rejecting? Because this version of Jesus, and he can satisfy our thirst. You know, perhaps as we wrestle with that question, it's because we've bought into this narrow view of the gospel. In this series, we've talked about the holistic gospel, looking at the long arc of the story of God. And perhaps for some of us, the version of Jesus, the version of the gospel that we've been sold is that God's mad at us, so Jesus died, and so we just have to ask to be forgiven so God's not mad at us, and then we can secure our ticket in heaven. And kind of one version of that story says, do whatever you want now. You're going to heaven one day. The other version says, well, you know, it really doesn't matter about injustice and racism that don't affect me because all that really matters is that God and me are good. As long as God and me are good, then I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to end up in heaven. And here's the reality. God and me aren't good unless I'm fighting for justice. God and me aren't good unless I'm fighting against racism. And why do we say that? Because that's what Jesus is doing here. And if we claim to be a Jesus follower, then we have to join him in the fight for justice. What he's offering this woman, what he's offering this village, come on, what he's offering us is salvation that contains justice. He's saying all of your soul level desires, not just like the love and the forgiveness and I forget about justice. No, all of your soul level desires can be quenched by him. And so this woman in verse 15 at this point, she basically says, I'm in. But Jesus wants to talk about sin. And so he says in verse 16, go and get your husband. 
he told her. And she says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Look, I get the pushback. I get that some of you are watching this, maybe some of us even in this room are feeling some tension because we're like, okay, if we emphasize justice too much, then that means we're going to water down sin. Not this version of Jesus. He calls out her sexual sin. He's like, hey, before we go any further, we got to talk about your relationship status. But notice, we're so quick to call out traditional sins and to talk about them that sometimes we miss that this whole narrative is actually combating sin. Because this whole conversation is combating the sin of racism. So what happens is when we see this version of Jesus who stepped in and sat down in the Samaritan village, what we see is that he actually expands our definition of sin. That sin is no longer just, am I good? And this traditional list, if I didn't lie, I didn't have sex with anybody, I didn't before marriage, I didn't do all this stuff. But but this version of Jesus says, actually, we're going to expand the definition of sin to any injustice that goes against someone made in the image of God. I think we need to accept that perhaps the version of Jesus we've been following isn't the version of Jesus who sat down in the Samaritan village. There may be some gaps there. And so then as... They talk. Jesus says, thank you for being authentic. And then she kind of gets it. She's like, man, this guy's pretty special. And so she asks him a question. She says, "Uh, hey, so we have this idea of worship as Samaritans and the Jews have this idea of worship. And you can read about it in verses 20 through 24. And basically what she's saying is whose racist theology is correct? Because they both have some racist theology that says, no, all of God's people, that's all of the people that look like me, we worship here or we worship here. And the thing about Jesus is when we sit with him, then he's going to begin to break down all our racist ideology and our racist theology. And that's what he does for this woman. He says, hey, let's talk about worship. He says, worship is not based on place, but the worship I'm introducing actually celebrates race and it's built on authenticity. Because he said, in the end, in Revelation 21, what's going to happen is that in the kingdom of God, we're going to worship through our diversity. The various culture of the world will bring that as part of their honor and their glory to God. So Jesus says, no, 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 it's not about place. It's about authenticity. And so Jesus introduces authentic worship laced with justice. And that's a whole other talk that I hope the Lord lets me give sometime <laughs> because there is a whole lot there. And so in their conversation, the woman says this in verse 25. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. If there was a box that contained all the woman's preconceived notions about the Messiah, that that contained her version of the Messiah, the fact that God would come and that God would bring freedom and salvation, if there was a box for that, Jesus had just blown up her box. Like her version of the Messiah, blown up. And so she leans in, though, and she says, so you're not who I thought you would be, but are you the real version? And I love what Jesus says. I am. He says, I am the Messiah. And so at this point, she trades her version of the Messiah for the real version. And she says, I got to run into the village. I've got friends. I got enemies who don't like me because of my reputation, but they need to realize they may have had one version of the Messiah, but the true version is here and they've got to come meet you themselves. Now, right before she runs off, the disciples show up. Now, from earlier in this, Jesus had sent them in the village. They were getting some food. And so they're probably offended. I mean, it's very safe from the context to assume that they're pretty ticked off that they're having to walk amongst Samaritans, that they're having to support Samaritan business by buying food. So they're just kind of like 
offended and upset. And then they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. In fact, in verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? They're just like us. Sometimes we're afraid to wait in the tension, aren't we? But Jesus isn't going to let them escape it. So they're shocked and they're like, whoa, whoa, you are not doing what our version of Jesus should do. This is one of the tensions that runs throughout the gospels, the stories of Jesus, because he doesn't act like we want him to. He's not our construct of Jesus. He's the real Jesus. And so they're upset. And in the midst of them getting upset, suddenly the villagers start streaming out. And then they ask something that had to just be to the dismay of the disciples. They said, would you stay? And Jesus said, yes. At this point, they're like, ah, why did we sign up to follow this guy? Like, what in the world? And so for two days, they are faced with the reality of having to spend time with and get to know people that they hate but they're also having to come face to face with the true version of Jesus. So what version of Jesus are we following or rejecting? And maybe you could dismiss this story and say, ah, this, this scene, this is, just, um, yeah, this is just a blip in the radar. No, no, this scene is a revelation. This scene is not a mistake. This scene is a revelation of who Jesus is. We know it because the last four words in this scene says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Not of the Jews, not of the Samaritans, not of the white people, not of the black people. He is the Savior of the world. So this scene challenges our theology. It challenges our view of God. Jesus wants us to wrestle with the question, what version of Him are we either following or are we rejecting? And I've had some black friends that have asked this question throughout this time as, as thankfully more white people are starting to become allies and starting to speak up, but they've asked this question. All right, when the dust settles, who's going to remain? Like when, when the news moves on, when the dust settles, who's going to remain? I can tell you who's going to remain. Who's going to remain are Jesus followers whose thirst for justice is quenched by salvation that includes justice. Who's going to remain is Jesus followers who embrace the Jesus who stays for two days in the Samaritan village, the Jesus who sits down with the Samaritan woman at the well, and I hope that's us. So will we follow the version of Jesus who is revealed in the Samaritan village? Will we follow a brown-skinned Jesus who is a refugee and who says, hey, actually, salvation contains justice, and I'm actually going to expand your definition of sin to include every injustice made against another person made in the image of God? Will we follow Him? That's the question that we have to wrestle with. That's the question posed by the story. Because Jesus quenches all of our soul-level thirst, including justice. Jesus actually is the path to justice and unity. But we have to make sure that we're actually following Him and not our own construct of Him. And we got to wrestle with this. This isn't something that we're just going to settle here in this room or you're just going to settle in your living room or car where you're watching this. We have to wrestle with it. And um, a friend of mine, Chris Walker, a friend of public churches, I've referenced him a few times. We were talking last week and he said, you know, in the Western church, we're not always good with wrestling. We honestly want some quick fixes. Okay, racism, let me do two things. I'll feel better about myself and move on. It's like, no, we got to wrestle with the issues of justice and with really what version of Jesus are we following? So just a few quick thoughts 
about how to wrestle. And look, these are going to be quick. So if you're watching, you can just press pause and write these down. For us, just ask me. I can get you the list later. But just some quick thoughts. We got to dive into the Word in prayer. How do we wrestle? Dive into the Word in prayer. And we got to let Jesus reveal Himself through His Word, just like He's doing for us right now. We have to pay attention to the discomfort and face our emotions. And this is just free, doesn't really relate, but don't post until you process. Let's not post on social media until we process. But let's also not run away. Let's face our emotions and let's choose curiosity over critique. And that means listening and learning to others. But it also means being a student of ourselves and paying attention to where we're offended and going, okay, why am I offended there? Why does this version of Jesus in the Samaritan village, why is, it rubbing me the, why is he rubbing me the wrong way? Because he's the real one. So, so, so what's the problem here? We've got to wrestle within community. If we wrestle by ourselves, we're going to overcorrect or undercorrect. And that's why we talk about community groups that meet in homes to dive into the Word, to talk about who Jesus is. We have to wrestle within community. We need to listen and learn about Jesus from someone whose skin color is different than ours. Because their cultural background, their rich diversity is going to add some richness to our perspective of Jesus. We're going to learn from them. After all, he was Jewish, by the way, not white. And then we're going to keep going back to the Word and keep praying over and over again so that our version of Jesus, the version of Jesus we follow, is actually anchored in the Word. So what version of Jesus are we following or rejecting? And will we follow the version of Jesus that is revealed in the Samaritan village? And my prayer is that for some of you watching who don't follow Jesus, that you've rejected the wrong version of Jesus. And that today, as you've seen who he really is, that you're like, all right, I'm in. I want to follow him. And if that's you, just text this number, 423-665-9317. 423-665-9317. If you have any questions, we would love to talk with you about who Jesus really is. And you can follow him. And all of your soul-level desires, including justice, will be quenched. So what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a couple songs. And these songs are basically just our prayers. Our prayers. And as we sing these songs, let's keep in mind that we are thirsty for a version of following Jesus that includes justice. And that is the Jesus who is revealed here. In fact, if we follow the version of Jesus revealed in the Samaritan village, he will require us to remain in the fight for justice. He will require us to fight against racism. So two songs we're going to sing are Lord Send Revival and More Like Jesus. So I just invite you, maybe even for those of us, we just need to take a moment and reflect. Maybe you want to press pause and just spend some time in prayer journal for a minute. Let's encourage you that when you're ready, let's just sing and let this be our prayer, that Jesus give us the courage to follow who you really are, not some construct that we've invented in our minds. So Jesus, we love you. As we sing, I pray that revival would begin in our hearts and that you would just make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.